Rolling, rolling, rolling. We're rolling. We're rolling. All right. Hello, everybody. It's DJ Crystal Clear here with episode three of Original Versus Cover, where I talk about original songs and their covers, and I choose which one is better. And then you listen to them back to back, and then you make up your own damn mind. And if you want to come at me, bro, or agree with me, it doesn't matter. You can text me, you can email me, you can message me, whatever you need to do. Please do it and get back to me. And if you have any suggestions, please let me know. And I'll give you a shout out for recommending it. So uh, I just finished taping episode two with my engineer, Dr. Paul Bertolino. (laughs) He just gave the devil horn sign because he's busy Um, out here in Crooklyn at the world famous as it should be studios once again and a reminder that you need to listen to Paul's podcast which is called as it should be where he gives his summation of his favorite songs and albums from a particular year his latest episode well there'll be a couple more until you hear this but uh it was 1967, was that right, Paul? Well, it's likely going to be something else by the time by this the time comes this, out. This but airs, but yeah. So it'll, who knows? We don't even know what decade it'll know. be by then. <laughs> we don't even know. But uh, he just finished. He just put up 1967. So by the time you hear this, it'll be a couple weeks old. But you should listen to all of them because they're really great and you learn a lot. Paul is chock a block with music trivia and information that you, I can assure you, a lot of it that you did not know and. Uh, yeah. I love it because I'm listening and taking notes and listening to songs that I either never heard or need to pay more attention to. So this episode three is going to be a little all over the place, but that's fine. It's going to be with it's going to be all over the place with lame covers and really good covers. That's all I have to say. So my first cover for episode number three is a song that if you were, you know, around in the 80s. If you were in college in the 80s, if you were between 18 and 20-something in the 80s, you heard the cover version of the song 89 million times, and I'm almost certain that you would have sworn that it was the original version of this song, but you'd be wrong. The song is called Red Red Wine, and the original, believe it or not, was done by Neil Diamond in the 60s. I forget the exact date. And the cover was done by this British band called UB40. Uh, The song, the video was on MTV literally every five fucking minutes. You couldn't escape it. (laughs) Paul. Paul just gave it a thumbs down. (laughs) Fucking hated that. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> hated, hated it. Hated it. it gets no snaps up. Two snaps down. <laughs> Two snaps down. Uh, the original by Neil Diamond. You know, it's a Neil Diamond song. It's Neil Diamond. He's singing it. It's, you know, a little jovial sort of upbeat mid-tempo thing. Uh, singing about drinking a lot of wine to forget about some chick who broke his heart. And, you know, it's Neil Diamond. That's all I have to say to you. It's Neil Diamond, and you know exactly what I mean. Now, the cover version by UB40. Now, UB40 was a, uh, I guess, well, they weren't two-tone. They were a reggae band, basically. Uh, The leader was this gingerish-looking white dude. 
who kind of looks like that popular white kid, gingery with the wonky eye. What's his name? I can't remember his name. He looked like the white ginger version of the dude from uh, Fine Young Cannibals. Oh, there we go. Yes, the turtle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Not the turtle, the other dude. Yeah, so UB40, it was a band of white guys and black guys, and it was a reggae band. And so it's... It's perfect reggae. It opens up with the with the tom red red and his voice to me really works my nerves. I've never liked his voice. I don't care what he's singing. Rat in me kitchen. I don't care. It stinks. And this with a big difference. He follows the they follow the basic arrangement by Neil Diamond, except it's a reggae song. And then. There are two versions of it. There's the short 45 version that was played on the radio, and then your college radio station would play the long version that had a little toasting in the bridge. So the one guy in the band, who I can't remember his name, is like, you know, red, red wine, it make me feel so fun. It keeps me rocking all of the time. Blah, 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 blah. Which was completely unnecessary. If I mean, it was, it was good toasting. Uh... But it just, it was terrible. So anyhow, if you have not heard the Neil Diamond version, and I'm almost certain a lot of you have not, you need to listen to that. Because it's it wins, hands down. UB40, oof, it's, it's not good. It's not good. I just don't like it. And that's what I have to say about that. Red, red wine Go to my Forget that I still need her soul. Red, red wine, it's up to you. All I can do, I've done, but memories won't go. Oh, memories won't go I'd have sworn That with time Thoughts of you would leave my head I was wrong And I find Just one thing makes me forget second song 
is another huge hit. It was from the 70s. It is from the 70s. And it was done by a duo. They were pretty ubiquitous. I know I said that right, but I probably can't spell it right, ubiquitous. Uh, It was a staple on the radio, AM and FM radio. They had a couple of big hits. They were known for their harmonies. They look nothing like each other, but they both look like Muppets. I'm talking about (laughs) Seals and Crofts, everybody. And they were famous for doing these lush and dreamy songs. Um, Harmonies were perfect. And they, they were really great. You couldn't escape them. They were all over the radio. Well, this song is called Summer Breeze, which I think may be their most popular song, probably. I mean, you know, We Will Never Pass This Way Again. I'm trying to think of other hits they had. Uh, Diamond Girl. Diamond Girl, right, yes. I'm, not sure, I'm never sure if I should, if I should chime in chime uh, audibly yes, or not. Yes, you can chime in. That's, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm making little hand gestures <laughs> just, and, just and right. making faces. No, please chime in. Um, yeah, they, they had a couple of big hits, but Summer Breeze, I think, is their biggest hit. And, you know, it's like, summer breeze makes me feel fine. You know it. You were listening to it while you were riding your bike in the summertime, and it was a really great song. It is a really great song. Well, the cover is astounding and amazing and something that you would never thought that this band would cover. And the band I'm talking about are the Isley Brothers. Now... The Isley Brothers were a famous soul group. They were real brothers, and some weren't. Uh, They were funky. They were sexy. They were soulful. And then they choose this, like, super white bread song to cover. But as the Isley Brothers tend to do in their own songs and when they cover anything else, is they turn it into a super sexual, slow grind sort of borderline porn dirty thing (laughs) it was played all the time at all the house parties when I was growing up as a kid you know with the red light bulb in the basement and people are bumping and grinding on each other and it is an astounding cover so the original song is like two minutes long two and a half minutes long the cover is like 20 minutes long because uh, Ernie the guitar player plays this amazing solo a little bit during the bridge, but the end, it basically fades out during a solo. And it just, it's one of the greatest guitar solos ever recorded. Yeah, it has hard rock guitar on it. Yes, hard rock guitar. Basically, well, the the main riff, he he does that on guitar, like a total rock guitar version. Yeah, it's, and a do-do-do-do-do. I mean, it's almost like, you could imagine Prince doing it. It's something that Prince would have done completely. And it starts off really slow, and, you know, it, it takes like three minutes to lead up to the vocal because it's like, do-do-do-do-do-do with synthesizers and, you know, ah ha, ha And then he comes into it, and it's like, you know, summer breeze makes me feel fun. And they're all harmonizing, and it's um, acoustic guitar, you know, electric guitars. There's some strings in it. It's... Phenomenal. So if you haven't heard the cover by the Isley Brothers, I strongly suggest you listen to it. And if it was a fight between them and Seals and Crofts, it didn't matter what they're fighting over. Isley Brothers would win. 
Hands down, it's much, much better, I think. It's It'll really make good. you feel fine. It'll make you feel fine. See the curtains hanging in the window In the evening on a Friday night Little light is shining through the window Let me know everything's alright Summer breeze makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine in my mind Summer breeze makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine in my has been talking to me about for this show. I never wrote it when I wrote this column. So I'm going to talk about it just to get people off my fucking back. (laughs) And it is probably the greatest example of how different a cover can be from an original. The song is called All Along the Watchtower. The original was done by Bob Dylan. And the cover... You heard 89 million times, because it is amazing, done by a one Jimi Hendrix from Washington State. Seattle? Was he from Seattle? Yep. Was Seattle? Yes. So the thing about this is that, you know, Bob Dylan is Bob Dylan. Uh, It's folky. He gets a little strained on it at times, I guess. But it's kind of, to me, I always thought it was kind of like, eh, it's kind of a benign song. What do you think, Paul? Sounds like your average Dylan song. It's just sort of, you know, 18 verses and <laughs> yeah. of nasally stuff. Stuff. Yeah, that's that's what it is. It's not earth-shattering. You kind of tune out of it, I found, when I was listening to it. It was like after after the first 10 verses, I just like, okay, I get it. It's <laughs> enough. I, I don't, yeah. But Jimi Hendrix, well, Jimi Hendrix... He, from the, I mean, from the first strums of the guitar. Also, but the one thing that bothers me about the the Hendrix version is the mix. It kind of sounds muddy to me. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, it, it is a little muddy. 
It just sounds. It, well, it had, I don't know. It, it, it has its own sound. It's it has its own atmosphere. It's a little reverby. It sounds like it's like underwatery in a cavey kind of. I like that about it. It's. I just wish that I could hear like a polished, clean, ver- clearer version of it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that it's terrible, but I just, I just wish I could hear a clearer version of it. But Jimi Hendrix, I mean, you know, the guitar, the guitar solos, the way he's singing it is super impassioned, and he's like, wah, 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 watchtower. I mean, he's just so into it, and you're just like, what the fuck? And it's so much better than the Dylan original, and so completely different, even though it's the same time period. Uh, yeah, within within a year. Year of, of each other. So it's literally, in every way, night and day, I think, yeah. of, of it. Because it's just, Hendrix is just bananas. Completely bananas. And uh, I like it better. Yeah, I most, agree. Most definitely. Hendrix better. was a gigantic Dylan fan, but he knew how to improve him some Dylan. <laughs> and how... There must be some way out of here Say the joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Businessmen, they drink my wine Plowmen dig my earth None of them along the line Know what any of it is worth song is a song the cover you heard in the 80s over and over and over and over and over again it was on mtv every five seconds right after the other songs that i said that were on every five seconds and um you know it's upbeat and nice and you can bippity bop to it it's cool but uh the original is from the 60s and very specific sounding. All right. The song is called Always Something There to Remind Me. And it is a Burt Bacharach, Hal David classic sung by Ms. Dionne Warwick. And I'm sure if you're old enough, you've heard it a bunch of times. And it's classic Hal David and Burt Bacharach. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it's them and Dionne Warwick. They were That was the magic... That was magic back then. She sang every fucking song they wrote, and it all sounded great, and this is no exception. It has a nice little call and response, you know, always something there to remind me, and she's singing her heart out, and, you know, it's great. I love it. 
The cover, that if I ever hear it again, it'll be too soon, was done by Naked Eyes. And Naked Eyes, it's quintessential 80s synth pop because the beginning, and it goes along with the video, it's these uh, like uh, choral organ chimes, ding, 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 because in the video, it's a wedding going on. And, uh, you know, boom, ch, da, dun, ch, dun, ch, da, dun, ch, done by synthesizers. And it's this guy singing it. There's no, n- there's nobody doing backing vocals. There's no call and response. It's just him singing the whole thing. And do, 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 uh, you know, I will never be free. You'll always be a part of me. It's just, it's kind of like, mm, all right, well, I like the choice of song. I never would have expected anybody from that time period to pick up on it, but it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. I kind of hear it as a really watered-down, uh, you know, pop ver- uh, uh, version of the way Soft Cell yes. did uh, whatever that song is. Tainted Love. Yeah, Tainted Love. Yeah. Yes, it, it follows that that perf- that prescription, that formula, definitely. Um, but it was it was played nonstop. You couldn't escape it. It was all over the place, and you know it was on the jukebox at my favorite bar in college, and people just played it too much. I really got sick of it to the point where every time it came on MTV, I had to mute it. Or turn the, or turn it off, change the channel. I'd switch it to VH1, and then guess what? It would be playing on VH1. <laughs> I really couldn't escape it. Sometimes their programming, they were literally the same song within minutes of each other. Yeah. Did you ever notice that? VHN, v, bleh, VH1 wasn't good until the 90s. <clears throat> oh, yeah? What happened? Well, in the '90s, they just started uh, doing a lot of '70s stuff. Like they would, they would, oh, they right. like they would play reruns of the Midnight Special, Special right? And stuff right, like right. that. Yeah, that's you true. That's or true. like, one day I turned on VH1 and they were like playing one of the '70s Chicago uh, specials. Really? You know, like of them at the Caribou Ranch. Oh. Like they would play shit like that. I was like, wow, that was like a, was like the golden era of VH1. You know, to me, uh, now that you're saying this, that makes me think that there was a marked, there was a delineation between it being like MTV's little brother to becoming like adult a like AOR radio because then it was more it was more adult oriented stuff they were playing on well there. 70s was the in retro at the time though right so like it was a, it was a lot of that you know and they were playing uh uh Oh shit! But you would also see like on my own, Patty Labelle and Michael McDonald. Like that wouldn't be on MTV, but they would play that on VH1. That kind right. of thing, up where we belong, all that AOR contemporary stuff that was being played more. But they played the Cabot shit episodes, right? I do remember you know, that. Like yeah, that. that was good. I remember the one with Janis Joplin. That was good. That was good. So yeah, Naked Eyes, and I think that that was their only hit. I think they were one hit wonder, Naked Eyes. And it doesn't surprise me because can anybody can any of you name any other Naked Eyes songs? I know I can't. Happily, I, I cannot. I know you can't, Paul. <laughs> Definitely not. But any of my friends out there in podcast land, you know, call me and let me know because I know you can't. You can't do it. Absolutely not. I walk along the city streets. You used to walk along with me. And every step I take recalls how much in love we used to be. 
Oh, how can I forget you when there is always something there to remind me? Always something there to remind me. I was born to love you, and I will never be free. You'll always be a part of me. Shadows fall, I pass a small cafe where we would dance at night. I can't help recalling how it felt to kiss, hold you tight. staple and from the 70s seven well the cover well both of them actually from 70s and uh, the song is called new york groove and i'm sure that most people know it from ace freely singing it when they put out their solo albums it was his it was a big hit for them was it a number one hit paul Number one, no, but it was a big, it was a big, hit. big probably top ten, and that was the hit from his album, from his Kiss solo album, from his Kiss solo album, the only one. Um, I remember Snowblind. I like Snowblind on that album, and uh, what else was good on there? Was Shock Me on there? No, no, Shock Me's from Love Gun. Love Gun, that's right. Uh, you know, rip it out. Speeding, speeding back to my speeding baby. Speeding back to my baby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Snowblind, ozone, I remember what's that. on your mind? Wiped out. See, this is why Paul is my friend, because he knows all of this stuff. I can only remember little things. And I'm only four years older than he is, but my brain is just much more addled. So everybody, you know, everybody remembers New York Groove. It, it became a big disco hit. It was played in Studio 54, no joke. The one time I snuck in there with my cousin Gene, they were playing it in Studio 54. Uh, and it was all over rock radio. And it was, you know... An anthem because it was stomp, 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 wank, 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 and you know he's like laid back many years since I was here. He actually sounded great. He sounded great on this tune. Fantastic. Yeah, I liked it. But it was a cover by a band called Hello, which I doubt many of you even knew existed. It wasn't them you were looking for. It was not them you were looking for. And, you know, they did it first. And their arrangement, like Ace, he, he, mm, I can't say that he, like, put a, a kiss stink on it quite. Oh, no, no. It's not at all kiss. It, it's not at all kiss. Um, but the original, I mean, it sounds almost exactly like the original. Uh, with a couple of exceptions. Therefore, it's a shitty cover. Therefore, it <laughs> <laughs> look, Bill Brown, you're right. <laughs> the original, the original is always better. Um, yeah, it was. I like the original better. Oh, you do? Okay, I do. Okay, interesting. I, do I, was, like I thought you were better. gonna say that you like the album. No, 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 no. The original is much better. It is. It's more of a sparse-ish arrangement. 
Um, it sounds cleaner to me. I've only heard it once, and I, I don't remember it very well. Really? Uh, yeah, it's it's better. Like Ace, you know, he did a decent job, but the original, I like the original much better of this song. And when you listen to it, you will agree with me. I think that everybody will agree with me that the original is better. Um, you know, Ace, like he was, ha- he was, he was pretty conscious when he did that. <laughs> Apparently, he was. <laughs> you know, they, I want to know like how deep, how drunk was he that they have to prop him up? Like he seemed into it and excited when he. Was well, doing that. I think he, you know, it's one of those things where he had to get in there and really. He was all on his own. He had nobody to kind of prop him up. And he had Eddie Kramer in there oh, producing. Right. And Eddie yeah. Kramer isn't really a producer-producer. He's kind of more of an engine. He's kind of more like a throw mics in front of the amps and let you get on Do with it. your shit kind of producer. So Ace was, he had to have his shit together. Yeah. He didn't have anybody to lead him by the nose. nose. You know? Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of astonishing. But yeah, I think I liked it. It was good. I think it was, the original was much better. Much, much better. popular it was on quite often another song on every five minutes mixed in with the other ones that were on every five minutes and the song is called it's my life and the original was done by talk talk uh i was turned on to this band by my college roommate who is still one of my best friends diane uh because she came in with the album when we started college in september of 1983 and their first single was called Talk Talk. Surprise! And it was like, talk, 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 everybody talk, all you talk. Do to me is talk, talk. Yeah, all you do to me is talk, talk. And, you know, it was kind of a dumb song, but it was a do, 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 your standard 80s synth music thing. And it was pretty good. But It's My Life, that was a huge hit. It was on dance floors all over the place, you know. It's my life, do, 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 do,
Don't deny it. Well, the cover was done by that California band that everybody seemed to love. They had their own series of big hits. I'm talking about the band led by that squeaky, blonde-haired chick. (laughs) Paul is making the barf sign right now. Uh, No Doubt. No Doubt covered that song a couple years ago, before they broke up for hopefully good. Whoops, did I say that? I did. But anyhow, they covered the song, and it sucks. Yeah. Because they did the exact same thing. They didn't change anything. Except it's Gwen Stefani with her squeaky, squawky voice. That's one track that actually make me uh, appreciate an 80s version of a song. There you go. See? It turned Paul. (laughs) I, I mean, it literally is exactly the same. They did not change one fucking thing. And when it came out, when I first heard the opening strains of it, and I thought, oh, did Talk Talk do an updated version of their song? That's kind of strange. Why would they do that? But no, it was no doubt. And when I read, I scoured the interwebs to read any kind of information about why they chose to do that thing, what was the, what were they thinking, any interviews, anything. And I vaguely remember Gwen Stefani saying... It was one of my favorite songs. And that was it. When you listen to this thing, you'll understand that that's why that's all she said. Because they didn't do anything to it. (laughs) They didn't make it different. They didn't make it new. They didn't... I mean, you know, it sounds better because technology is better. But that's about it. So, boo on No Doubt. Uh, Talk Talk wins that one quite easily. Because... You know, I loved it. But I'm old, so I'm going to stick with the 80s stuff.
So my next song is a Motown classic. Uh, it is a song that gets you up swinging and twisting and dancing and grooving because it's really good. It's a nice little up-tempo thing with a baritone sax, which is always good. Anytime you can get a Barry sax into something, it's awesome. And I don't mean yakety sax. I'm talking about a Motown tune called Heat Wave. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Do 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 do. You know it. Whenever I'm with him, Martha and the Vandellas, and they crush it. I love that song. It's really great. And the cover I want to touch on was done by one of my all-time favorite bands. Who, oops. <laughs> As it were. As it were, it's The Who. And they covered this song when they were, were they still the high numbers? Uh, they probably were doing it back then, but when they recorded it, it was like 66, Six, around the yeah. time of uh, a Quick One. Right. And it totally makes sense for them to do this song. It sounds like something Pete and Roger would have been into to do it, and I'm sure that they would run it during rehearsals and play it at their shows. And it is really good, the way that they do it. I like it. Um, It follows the basic arrangement. Of course, it's the Who doing it, so it's going to be different. And Paul says... I say... (laughs) Sounds exactly the fucking same. (laughs) Yeah, it does sound exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) They don't change the arrangement at all. They don't do anything super different. You know, Rogers, not that he's trying to sound like Martha... But, you know, it's the Who singing a Martha Mandela song, and it's basically the same. Yeah. But I, I like it because, you know. I because like, it's the Who. Because it's the Who. I, um, yeah. yeah. It's okay. I like, I like the original better. Yeah. I, I would, you know, yeah, I would have to say the original is better. I agree. But I, I like that the Who did it. It shows some chutzpah. And uh, everybody knows that I'm a fan of white boys with guitars, so there you have it. They they did it, and I liked it, and it was it was pretty good. Keith Moon was not going insane on the drums. I mean, he he was pretty much reined in. I don't know how many elephant tranquilizers he was on, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was a little jazzy thing, and uh, they did a good job. So kudos to the Who, even though Martha and the Vandellas win that round. Sometimes 
once again. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Dr. Paul Bertolino for being my engineer and chiming in this time. I appreciate it. And I guess that's it. So I'll see you. What month is this? This is April. So, yeah. (laughs) So this is the second episode of April. So I'll see you in May. back. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Actually, we're not back. <laughs>